and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and I am so happy that you can join me. Today, I would like to talk about a subject of what ifs and bus stop conversations. Now, bear with me here because this does have um, a, a, a theme and I think you will find it interesting as we go through it. It's an interesting topic and very thought-provoking. I've been reading a book lately titled The Energy Codes, The Seven Steps to Awakening Your Spirit, Heal Your Body, and Live Your Best Life by author Dr. Sue Mortar. And some of the topics that she discusses in her book has got me really thinking. And just so you know, whenever I would tell Chuck, hey, honey, I've been thinking, he would get just a little scared and he would just be, would he would be like, I'm not too sure, but that's how I ended up donating a kidney, writing a book and learning how to read the Akashic Records. And unfortunately, the poor man never knew what would come next whenever I would say, honey, I've been thinking. But what Dr. Mortar discusses in her book truly has resonated with me and has kept me pondering or has led me to ponder my recent life events a little differently. And however, I promise you that this topic is interesting and definitely thought-provoking. It may challenge you a little bit, and that's okay. It did me as well, but at the same time, it's helped me to step out of the victim role where life just kind of happens to me and has put me back into the driver's seat of where I create the life that I want. Now, keep in mind though too, Life is still hard, I'm still grieving, things are still happening, but it's helping. It's helping to think of the, cir the circumstances that have been going on in my life recently uh, a little differently with a little bit of a different perspective. So bear with me here. Personally, from working in the Akashic Records, I know that there are no coincidences in life and that we are the divine creators of our own experience. That I definitely believe. And God gives us each free will, which allows us to make our own choices, like taking this path over that path or choosing this, you know, making this choice over that choice, taking this action over that action. And we create our life based at the level of action. We make our choices, which creates consequences, whether it's negative or positive. And when I say negative or positive, I mean negative or positive based on how God has created us at soul level. And those consequences are how we experience, experience ourselves as divine beings having this human experience in this world called Earth. And just a little backstory, I was thinking about this. As a child growing up, I had this fantastic image of God in my head. And I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. But, you know, I always thought of him as like this old white man with a long white beard sitting on a throne of sorts, surrounded by all these angels. And he was, you know, he was either handing out praise or good things to people who would do, quote unquote, good things or shut down balls of fire onto people who did, quote unquote, bad things. And I saw him as very judgmental and very authoritarian. And now, you know, adults probably weren't telling me this, but that is literally how, as a young child, that's how I saw God in my head. God was someone I feared. And yet I was told that God was also love, mercy, and forgiveness. And so I couldn't wrap my brain 
around how he could be so completely opposite yet the same. It just didn't make sense to me. And it, it confused me on many levels. Everyone else seemed to get it. So I just kept quiet and didn't ask questions because I was afraid of, you know, being the oddball out. And maybe other people didn't get it. I don't know. If you didn't let me know, I'd like to hear that too, because I just didn't get it. I just, I saw God as a very different, I saw him outside of myself. Today, I see God very differently, but that's called the journey of spiritual transformation. <laughs> It didn't make sense to me how God could love some people, but not everyone, especially if we were all made in his image. And, you know, that's what I was also told in church by some very wise people, you know. And why would he love me if I was such a good girl and not you because you came from a different country or believed in something other than what was taught in my religion? What or who made us right over what else, what someone else believed? I just, I couldn't grasp that. And then also, if God gave us free will to make our own choices and decisions, why then did I have to ask him for good things in my life? Why did I have to do good in order to get things, quote unquote, in my life? Why did I have to, you know, follow the Ten Commandments? Why did I have to, uh, you know, be a certain way in order to receive good things? And I heard over and over, you know, growing up to pray, let thy will be done. And if God wishes for me to have this, then he would. And if he doesn't, then that means it wasn't meant to be. And if that's true, then where does free will come in? Why would he make us in his image and give us the ability to create if he didn't want us to? I believe we create our own reality all the time. I mean, look at where we're at in our lives right now. So I tell my clients, literally, when, you know, you look in the mirror, what you see looking back at you is an accumulation of all the past choices, actions, thoughts, consequences that you've made up, that you've made up until this particular moment. And every choice, action, and consequence that you make in this particular moment in your life affects your future. So literally, in this moment in time, you have the past, present, and future looking straight at you in the mirror. So what choices and actions do you plan to take today that will affect your future, that will affect your tomorrow, that will create your tomorrow, that will create your today? You know, so let that sink in for just a moment. You know, every choice, action, thought, and consequence you have made up until this moment in time is what you're living right this moment, right this, right this second. And you created this by the choices and actions that you chose to do. And if you want something, you don't and you don't have it, it's because you haven't taken action in this three-dimensional world to manifest it yet. I mean, and it, it, you may not be creating it at soul level. I don't know. That's what the Akashic Records are for. But this also leads me to another question. Why do, do we choose this life? This is where the what ifs and the bus stop conversation comes in. So now bear with me here for a few minutes. If I explain a little bit deeper. Science has discovered, as we all know, that everything is energy. Even this desk that I have my laptop on or this pen or pencil that I have in my hand, it's just moving at such a slow rate that it looks like it's a physical object. 
I mean, quantum physics, physics has it, it, that science. And our bodies are also made up of energy. Our souls are energy. And from what we know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So since we are pure energy, we have always been and always will be. Think about that. In this moment, we are experiencing ourselves as a spiritual being on this earthly plane, having a physical experience, correct? But this body, our hair, our, you know, our skin, our muscles, that's not all of us. Our true self is our soul or our spirit or our energy, basically. And when we leave this physical body, our energy continues because once again, energy can never, can not be destroyed or created. It just is. And Dr. Morton asks in her book, in the energy codes, this question, what if our being here on this planet, in this body, isn't some random event, but rather a purposeful means to explore our larger reality of being the soulful self. Let me ask that question again. What if our being here on this planet, in this body, isn't some random event, but rather a purposeful means to explore our larger reality of being a soulful self? Hmm. Interesting. This is where the bus stop conversation comes in. And I'm actually going to read to you this passage directly from her book, The Energy Codes, The Seven Steps to Awakening Your Spirit, Heal Your Body, and Live Your Best Life. And it's found in chapter two, page 56, titled The Bus Stop Conversation. Also, I'll put a link um, to this book in the show notes if anyone is interested in reading it. And I highly recommend it. It's actually really good. It's really opened my eyes to a new perspective. Imagine yourself at a cosmic bus stop where you and others pause between trips in this physical plane. As you wait, you get to chatting with other souls at this bus stop, talking about your plans and agendas for life on earth. You speak about what you desire to learn, how you wish to grow, and what you'd like to experience as a means to reveal to yourself your own true divine nature as a being of energy and the creator of your own life. I want to learn about my wisdom, one of the other souls says. I'm going to learn courage, declares another. I want to experience being unconditionally loving, says a third. What are you going to do there, someone asks. Well, you might say, I'm going to have a bunch of experiences of waking myself up. I want to know my ability to forgive. Yes, I'm choosing 1110 experience for forgiveness. Not just a level three or a level four. I'm really going for it this time. A level 10 of forgiveness. Wow. Okay. How are you going to do that? Another soul asks. Well, I'm not exactly sure. I suppose someone is going to have to do something that is, well, nearly unforgivable. One of your companions asks the obvious question. What would that take? You reply, well, someone would have to do something like drink too much at a happy hour, get behind a wheel, cross the center line on the road, and hit my car head on. To take it over the top, they may take the lives of my family or cripple me. 
it could have been avoided and it would be completely irresponsible. And after many years of hurt and anger and suffering, even more because of my unforgiveness, I'll reach way down inside my heart and find a deeper layer of myself than I would have ever known under any other set of circumstances and forgive them. You pause for a minute remembering that the bus stop offers an opportunity to enlist others to help you achieve what you want out of your earth life. Who wants to be the driver for me, you ask? No one raises their hand. Come on, you plead. I've waited forever to have this chance to evolve myself. I'm asking with all that I have, will someone please help me catch this opportunity? Someone finally chimes in, I'll do it. I can see how much it means to you. Plus, it will help me with my own mission of self-forgiveness. Wonderful, thank you so much. I am so moved that you would do that for me. Well, I guess I will see you on earth and off you go, ready to take on the biggest task of being thus far. The bus stop conversation is a metaphor, of course, for seeing your own energy as working to dissolve the illusions that you are a separate self. We get to heal our tendency to interrupt the natural flow of life by looking at our circumstances less personally and more as a project of allowing connection again. Looking in our lives through this larger perspective, we see that we are actually quite amazing for having created exactly what we need for our own desired expansion and the discovery of our own depths of beauty, strength, kindness, courage, loving, and so on. In other words, the many facets of our magnificence. Can you see how this gives us every empowering way of looking at the things that happen in our life? How it removes any sense of victimhood thinking from our experiences? I have chosen a rather intense example here because that is the way that thousands of people have transformed in my classes around the world. Energetically, it will hold a space for you to allow your own heart to open into your own bus stop conversation for healing. We can start to look at our lives in a new way. Okay, I'm not just making the best out of this bad situation. What if I actually generated this situation to awaken myself to something, something more about who I really am? What if on some higher level, I requested this experience so that I could explore a beautiful, powerful and magnificent part of me that I wasn't aware of before. This is an incredibly freeing and empowering insight. After I read this section, I started crying. If you listen to my last podcast, then you know my husband recently passed away unexpectedly the day after our oldest son's wedding. Learning to live with his physical absence in my life has been traumatic to say the least. But what if we had had this bus stop conversation before we incarnated into this world? What if we had decided on this experience for our ultimate benefit? That it was all in our favor and it had been all along. Let me, let me explain because there's a feather involved here too. When Chuck and I met in high school, it was love at first sight. Physically, he was attractive to me. I fell head over heels for him with his black curly mullet hair and his tight Levi jeans. Oh, he was just, he was hot. <laughs> it was, if, and it was if we were karmically tied to one another. I mean, I can't explain it. There was, there was a, a connection that 
we had that, that I had with no other relationship. And we dated for two years and I never forgot him after we broke up. And it, literally I would stalk him. My youngest son laughs at that now, but I literally would stalk him. But not all the time, every once in a while, I'd be known to drive by his parents' house in hopes of catching a glimpse of him. And he was the person that I measured all my relationships against. You know, did they live up to Chuck? And they weren't Chuck. They weren't Chuck. But back then, I was all about appearances. And I dated guys who were phys that physically looked a certain way. And I was very insecure. And I was searching for love everywhere but from within. I was so insecure and so, I, it was like I longed for a connection with heaven. I, I, I was missing something and I didn't know what it was. And I tried to find it everywhere, but from within. It was just, it was an emptiness that I can't explain. 20 years later, when Chuck and I reunited, you know, he physically wasn't the type of person I would have dated. If I would have met him at that particular point in my life, I probably never would have gone out with him because one, he was overweight, he smoked and he had hair on his back. And yes, ladies, I said that he did have hair on his back, <laughs> but, and, and that for me was a deal breaker for a lot of relationships. I, that just, it just was. And I know that seems shallow, but it, that, was, that was a deal breaker for me. He was everything I said I wouldn't date. But at the same time, he was my Chuck. There was that connection and he made me laugh. And there was something so comfortable and familiar about him. It was like our souls finally were home in one another. I, just, I, I can't, there's no way else for me to explain it. You know, we were just comfortable. And now I could have easily walked away from this relationship and from him. And in fact, I almost did because of the physical issues. But there was something inside me that told me that this was a path my soul wanted to experience. And I remember that moment so clearly because it was a conscious choice. I was getting in the shower and I literally heard that loving Chuck was a choice. And if I chose to do so, I wouldn't regret it. So getting in the shower that morning, I, I committed myself to Chuck and I committed myself to loving him. And marrying him was the best life altering decision I ever made. I learned how to love another soul unconditionally. And our souls were interconnected and we made such a great team. And now it didn't happen overnight and we had worked on it really hard. I mean, we had to learn to love each other and to be friends. And he allowed me to be me and I allowed him to be him. And we fought and we made up. I was able to come to understand who I am by loving him, if that makes any sense. And then he unexpectedly leaves this physical world. And now I have to learn to live life without him. Not easy. And even though I, you know, I know about this, this bus stop, grief is hard. And I miss them. So, yeah. But I mentioned a feather earlier. So 
let me tell you about this feather because this all kind of coincides. The day of his funeral, I changed purses because the theme of the, the, the funeral was red and black. And so I wanted to use this red purse. And Chuck always bought my purses. And <laughs> it's the thing about purses. I don't know why, but he knew exactly what purses I had, what colors they were in, what, you know, what sizes they were in. It was a unique thing with him. And my friends often laugh about it because he's like, oh, you already have that Dooney and Bark. And oh, but you don't have that saddlebag in that style. So it was really funny like that. But and and he had a he had a way of just making me laugh because he was the only man I knew I know that knew what purses their wives had because he bought all my purses for me. So, and I just loved that about him. So anyway, this day I changed into the red purse and I remember checking the contents, you know, to make sure there wasn't anything in it before I put my, my stuff in there, my, my wallet and all, and there wasn't anything in there. So a few weeks after the funeral, you know, I'd been crying over him and going through the grief process and I had reached into the purse, still carrying that red purse, and I reached into the purse for something, and in the side pocket, I pulled out a black feather. And it took me back for a minute because, you know, feathers in the spiritual world symbolize spirits and angels. And that black feather was not in that purse when I pulled it down out of the closet. When I checked it, it wasn't there. Now, somebody could have put it in there. I don't know. But for me, I took it to mean that Chuck was with me. And I put that feather in a little potted plant on my desk in my office, you know, right on the side. A couple of days later, I went into um, my cat's room. Yes, my cats have their own room. There's a whole other episode, podcast episode I could do on my animals alone. <laughs> but my cats do have their own room. But I went in there to feed them. And in the cat's dinner bowl was that same black feather that I had found in my purse a few days later that I had put on my desk in the potted plant. And it was in the cat's dinner bowl. Now Chuck used to feed the cats dinner every night. And so it was like another message that Chuck was with me because that particular night I was having a hard time. And tears of course started streaming down my face. Now I could have wrote that off that the cats took the feather off my desk, but to leave it in their food bowl, that to me was a little stretch. So I told Chuck, thank you for the sign that he was still with me. And then it happened a second time a few days later. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. It was the same black feather it was back in the cat's food bowl, the dinner bowl. So it was like another sign. And once again, I was having a moment where I was missing Chuck and there was this black feather from Chuck. So I tell you this story about the feather because I was reading something else that was, um, which we're going to go into in another episode, that's similar to the bus stop conversation in another book. And I started crying that maybe everything I had experienced with Chuck and the synchronicities of how we got back together and everything we experienced as a couple leading up to the day he had passed was a result of something bigger, like my awakening or his awakening even. And tears are just streaming down my face. And, you know, just to set the scene for you just a little bit here. In the mornings when I get up, I sit out on my patio, my screened in porch and drink tea and I like to read. And that's where I journal and meditate and I do my, my morning ritual. And that particular morning I was reading this, that book and I'm sitting there 
on my chair and I'd gotten up a few times to go get tea through the, you know, through the patio porch. And at this particular moment, all three of my dogs were laying on the, the, the patio. And I look over through tears just coming down my eyes and there was that black feather in the entranceway to the porch. It was just lying there. And so it was, it was like a confirmation for me that what I'm going through, Chapter's going through it with me and that this has some sort of meaning. I don't quite know what yet, but I think I'm on the right path. So what if Chuck and I had planned this experience? What if I had decided, what if, what if I had made a different choice and decided not to fall in love with him that day in the shower? Or what if he had decided not to stop and pick me and my brother up that day on Thermal Road back in high school? What if he decided to keep on going? What if we never met? What if, what, you know, there's so many what ifs. And, and it makes me stop and wonder, you know, do, do we actually have the ability to, before we come to this earth as souls, to decide what lessons we want to learn and who we're going to learn them with? I don't know. I believe our souls come here with a soul experience in mind and a life lesson to learn. You know, I find it interesting that we don't remember heaven when we come to earth and we spend a lifetime trying to remember it. It's the awakening I think we're wanting to experience. In Genesis, it states, so the Lord caused man to fall into a deep sleep. But nowhere in the Bible does it state that the man woke up. We just assume he did. So what if we're all sleeping and our awakening is realizing that we're all rooted in heaven? You know, as Dr. Morton states in this book, our final frontier is to fully embody our divine self here on earth. There is nothing wrong in our lives. There are no problems to overcome and no obstacles to be victorious over because all of our life experiences are happening for our ultimate benefit. It's all in our favor and it has been all along. There are other books that discuss pre-life plans such as Your Soul's Plan, Discovering the Real Meaning of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born by Robert Schwartz or a second book, The Soul's Gift, The Healing Power of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born. And each book discusses the soul's plan for experiencing certain challenges and obstacles in order to fully understand and awaken your true soul self. When we believe that we are the divine creators of our own experience, then there is an incredible power in that statement. We are no longer victims to a whimsical God who may or may not think we are good or bad. And we create the experiences, our experiences in order to awaken to our divinity, our oneness with our divine creator. Think about that for a minute. I mean, how powerful is that? To me, that's really helped me move through 
this this period of grief and let me tell you the grief the grief is very real it's very painful it's very raw and i am very grateful for it because i am finding out new things about myself <laughs> I wish it would have happened a different way. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I do miss my husband. One day, I think I will be very grateful for this experience. And I hope that this may have opened up some discussions and thoughts for you guys. Thank you for listening to my pondering thoughts on this Sunday morning. Hopefully it's got you thinking about some of the choices you may have made in your life and experiences you have created. And if you don't agree with me, that's perfectly fine too. We are all where we're supposed to be. It's perfectly perfect. We are right where we're supposed to be. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. And if you're willing, please pop over to our Facebook page, Butterfly Kisses Podcast. And let's start a conversation about it. You know, what do you think? What do you think about this bus stop conversation? What are your thoughts on it? In our next episode, hopefully we will be talking to a lady. Um, her name is Kathy, who had a near-death experience. And we are going to find out what it was like for her as she first entered hell before going to heaven. It's a rather interesting topic and uh, a very interesting perspective. I think you will not want to miss this episode. And again, thank you. And I will look forward to seeing you in the next one. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also join me on the Facebook page at Butterfly Kisses Podcast. Here we can continue the conversations we've been discussing on these podcasts, and you can also ask questions of our guests as well. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me on the Facebook page, or you can do so by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you, and remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.